Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. On this episode, I'll be speaking to the lead singer of Starship, Mickey Thomas. Starship is an American rock band from San Francisco, California. Initially, a continuation of Jefferson Starship. It underwent a change in musical direction that led to a name change. Starship's 1985 album, Knee Deep in the Hoopla, was certified platinum by the RIAA and included two singles that went to number one on the US Billboard Hot 100 charts, We Built the City and Sarah. Their follow-up album, No Protection, released in 1987, was certified gold and featured the band's third number one single, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. After a short hiatus in the early 1990s, the band reformed in 1992 as Starship featuring Mickey Thomas and resumed touring. So this is Barrett Edelstein and I'm the Celebs Fund. Today we've got the brilliant artist Mr. Mickey Thomas from the band Starship. So Mickey, where do we find you in the world? What's happening in your life and how are you doing? I'm doing just great. Uh, I am in Southern California that's my part of the world where I live. I live right by Palm Springs, California, and okay. Palm Desert, where it's going to be about 100 degrees today. So <laughs> that's typical for us, though. And um, what I'm doing is uh, enjoying life, first of all, and, you know, doing a lot of Starship shows. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, we're kind of getting back on track, as yep. a lot of the world is after the last two-plus years of the, of the pandemic. I have three shows coming up this weekend. Two in Oklahoma and one in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so when are those shows this weekend? On Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Friday and Saturday are in casinos in Tulsa and Norman, Oklahoma. Okay. And then Sunday over to Las Vegas for a show there. So let's take it all the way back to the beginning. I know it's yeah. many decades. Yeah. How did the Starship journey start? Well, the Starship journey... I guess if you want to go all the way back to the beginning, you know, it would have it has its roots in the Jefferson airplane yep. back in the sixties. Um, the Jefferson airplane begot the Jefferson starship. And then I joined the Jefferson starship in 1979 and performed for five years as part of starship, Jefferson starship. And then in 1985, we decided to officially just shorten our name to starship. You know, we felt that, you know, the band had obviously been through lots of changes yep. by then from the 60s to the mid 80s. And we just kind of made a conscious effort to kind of shake it up, um, deconstruct it, and re try to reinvent the band uh, stylistically, musically, you know, we, uh, we that was when we started using a lot of uh, modern recording techniques, all the, the new technology that was available then with sampling and sequencing and computers and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, so the Starship, shortening it, the Starship was kind of a symbolic move to announced to the world that, hey, you know, the, we're, we're kind of a, not necessarily a new band, but we're going to be reinventing ourselves moving forward. And you're going to get a, a whole new sound from Starship. And that new sound was amazing. I must tell you, whenever I hear the first few beats of We Built That City, 
I just start dancing. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, it, obviously it worked for yeah. us. You know, it was a gamble. It was a risk, you know, um, when you were going to lose a lot of the older audience by, you know, taking that that risk that we did then. But, but you know, we hope that in the process we would uh, attain a whole new audience as well, especially a new radio audience. Because uh, at that point in time, we kind of figured, like, if we're going to, to survive and, and not just survive, but to flourish as a band, to move on and to, to have, a, you know, a, a career ahead of us, we, we got to be more radio friendly. We're going to have to have some some radio presence and some hit singles. So that was the gamble with Knee Deep in the Hoopla. And as you said, it, you know, it paid off with we, we built the city and uh, Sarah back to back number one singles. Now, did you lose some fans? Yeah, I think so. Probably. You know, I don't know if we lost them. Uh, we still get, I mean, the Starship audience now, you know, when I look in the audience, it transcends generations, yeah. you know. We got, we got like three generations of fans out in the audience, you know, uh, grandmas, moms, daughters. Uh, and uh, so I think some of them were maybe not, some of the older fans are maybe not totally happy with the new sound, but I think that maybe we kind of, because, you know, biggest reason is because when we perform, I mean, they're still going to hear, you know, Jane and Find Your Way Back and yeah. songs from the late 70s, early 80s they're going to hear uh you know we're going we do a tribute to the uh, earlier incarnations of the band where uh, my female vocalist and myself we do white rabbits somebody to love miracles count on me so you know they get a taste of the entire musical spectrum of the of the band the whole history of the band and like it should be yeah absolutely yeah, yeah why not yeah where did the name Starship, I know it was Jefferson Starship, but where did Starship come from? Yeah, it was just a shortening, the Jefferson Starship, just dropping the Jefferson and going with simply Starship. We want to take it back a little further. You know, Jefferson Starship was an offshoot of Jefferson Airplane, yep. which you think it that point in time, you know, changing it, the name to, to Starship as opposed to Airplane was just, again, kind of a symbolic thing of like, hey, we're, you know, the airplane is an old antiquated yep. propeller thing, you know, and now we're going into outer space, yeah. so to speak. So we are a starship now. Now, if you were to ask me how the original Jefferson airplane name came about, well, that, <laughs> that's a different story. I don't think anyone really has the true answer for that okay. one. Uh, as near as I can tell, uh, Yorma Kalkinen, who was the original guitarist in Jefferson Airplane, was a huge blues aficionado, loved blues music. And one of his favorite blues artists was an artist named Blind Lemon Jefferson. Okay. So I think that's where the Jefferson part of it came from and how they attached the Jefferson to the airplane. No one's really sure, but I think there was probably a lot of drugs involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As they normally say, it does happen like that. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite part about getting up on stage and performing? The energy from the audience, you know, I think that's what that's what motivates me and moves me and wants me to continue to keep on doing this. But just, the, you know, the pleasure you get from seeing the energy come back from the audience, you know, you feel that, you know, being on stage as an entertainer, it's a, it's a definitely a give and take thing, you know, you know, we get, we get as much back from them as hopefully we're giving them. And uh, so that motivates me, you know, the fact that uh, I, I sometimes I think I enjoy it more now than I ever have at any point in my career. There, there's there's less pressure now than okay. there was maybe in the 80s, you know, when you have these massive, you know, six-month-long tours with, you know, 50, 60 people on the road, and you're gone, you're away from home for five, six months straight. And, uh, and now, you know, we just kind of uh, 
we're more like weekend warriors now. You know, we go out and play like, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we come home for a few days, you yeah. know, and rest up and go back out again. And uh, so there's just not the pressure there was with the long, uh, you know, monumental tours of the 80s. So I really enjoy that part of it. I kind of can, I'm more of the master of my own destiny now, I think, you know, I can kind of pick and choose to some extent, you know, when I want to go out and where, and I can be more selective. And, and so that just makes the whole process a lot more fun. You sp- spoke about the audience giving and taking, and I'm always yeah. that person s- standing right up in front in concerts. And I see everyone yeah. around me with their cell phones up trying to get the perfect yeah. photo or perfect video. And yeah. don't you find that a little bit more taking than giving from the audience perspective? Yeah, to the extent, what, what, what bothers me most about that, about the cell phones, mm is that everybody in the audience has got a movie camera (laughs) and everybody's filming your performance. And sure enough, it's going to be posted all over the place come next Monday morning or, or whenever. And, and the fact that we have no quality control over that whatsoever is kind of tough, you know, because you're, you know, because you, because you're at the mercy of the elements quite often, you know, if you're, and, you know, if you're at the front of the stage and somebody, as you said, right there in the front row with a phone, you know, well, they're not going to get the whole sound, you know, they're not exactly. going to get the whole picture. Uh, God knows what the sound system might be like on any given night. There might be technical problems, you know, that bass out might blow up or something. So, so just that lack of quality control yeah. over what gets put out there on the internet is kind of frustrating. But for me, it's more than that because you are right in front of them and yet mm. they're trying to see you through the same size as a screen on the television and they're missing yeah. the whole experience. That's what I find. So I'm just there yeah. dancing, having a fun time and I watch all these people going mad around me and I really find that they're missing the essence of the whole experience. I, I agree. You know, I remember... Uh, my generation, you know, in the 80s when I had my first child and, uh, and you know, your video cameras were all, you know, mm-hmm. we were downsizing and they were all just so easy to use. And, everything. and I remember, you know, you become obsessed with it, with your kid, you know, and I, I remember thinking like, I have this bloody camera up in front of my face the whole time my kid is growing up mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and I'm missing it because my eyes plastered yeah. here. Yeah. And, and and so you miss the process because you're too busy trying to record it then just enjoy it yep. as it's going down, you know. And and it's kinda of, it's kinda of similar. What you're saying, you you know, you're missing the concert because you're trying to capture your own little version of that exactly. posterity that you have to keep with you. And but you've missed the actual event, yeah. the live event. And what's interesting is that back in those days, we had cameras, but you weren't allowed to take cameras into concerts. I remember yeah. that specifically. They always used to yeah. check. And then with, oh, self, yeah. with cell phones, they couldn't, couldn't control that anymore. We didn't see that one coming. You know, well, Nobody ever saw the day that every member of the audience would have their own movie camera. You know? Except me. <laughs> except me. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, I guess we could be like uh we could be like the PGA and just not allow people to bring their phones onto the golf course or something. You know? <laughs> and you know, then that opens a whole other can of worms. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, may not want to get into. Music is listened to now differently compared to when it was, you know, the seventies, eighties, it was vinyl, cassettes, CDs. Yeah. Now we've got all these digital platforms. What is your thoughts of the way that people now consume music? Well, it's certainly a far cry from the, you know, the world that I grew up mm-hmm. in, you know, I mean, part of the process of, of uh, buying albums back in the day for me was just going into the record store and spending hours yeah. just 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 checking out all the album covers, you know, looking at the artwork and checking out the credits and just, you know, that, you know, we don't, that's part of the process has certainly been lost. 
I don't know. You know, I mean, it, what you, it is what it is. I mean, what are you going to do? That's the way music gets transmitted now, you know, from the artist to the consumer. And uh, uh, there's, although it is kind of nice that vinyl has made a comeback. Yeah. And uh, and even among younger kids, they they love vinyl, you know. So so maybe I mean I was never going to swing back completely to that. And I think because of the process of how music is delivered these days, uh, it, it's more um, it's more immediate, has a much shorter shelf life. I think you know the hits are not going to have some of the staying power that uh, songs did before. Uh, and I'm yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that. But um, especially with bands, it seems like bands have a real short shelf life now. Uh, new bands. And, and I love a lot of new bands and new music, you know, uh, mostly the bands. But it's kind of like, you know, a new band comes along, there's one big album, maybe two, and then you don't hear from them again. Yeah. They're kind of gone, you know. So I don't know if a lot of the music today is going to have the staying power that some of the music in the past did. You know, I don't know how much of today's music we'll be listening to 50 years from now. I'm sure some of it. Yeah. Know? I mean, you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule, of course, right? Yeah. If you're, it's kind of like you're either, there, there are megastars and then there are guys down at the bottom just struggling to be heard. And there's not much in between. between yeah. yeah. Completely understand. So just from my perspective, I love buying the CDs. I still buy my CDs. I buy the booklets. I, you know, the whole aesthetic of holding something. And yeah. Not only vinyls are coming back, but cassettes and uh, CDs are coming back as well. In fact, last yeah. year, CD sales increased for the first time in 21 years. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I like, I'm glad to hear that. Though. So, so it was based off Adele, Abba, and Ed Sheeran. They helped propel CDs back yeah. up. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, I, I like it when artists are kind of pushing that along, you know, helping that process. Um, ACDC, I love them because, you know, it's just recently changed, but, you know, for a long, long time, just up until a few years back, you could only get ACD songs if you buy a hard copy, you know. Yeah. You're not going to get ACDC off of iTunes or anything like that. And I think they finally relented, like like so many. But but I like that when, you know, you kind of stick to your guns and say, hey, this is how we do it. If yeah. you want to hear our music, you got to go buy this CD. What's and it? Then, and then hopefully that you still, hopefully you have a car that still has a CD player in it. <laughs> what, what, what's interesting for me is that, so, you know, I've got my Spotify account and I've created my playlists because I teach spinning classes. Every now and then I go back into a playlist and a song has been deleted or removed. Whereas if you've got yeah. the CD, it's always yours. It's always tangible. It, there's an energy yeah. exchange between yourself and the artist for owning that music. Yes. They can't take that away from you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I also find that the digital platforms have diminished the worth of music to a certain degree because you're paying for millions of songs, whereas before you'd yeah. pay for 15 songs and it was something special. You know, it wasn't just uh, like. Yeah. I mean, when you bought an album, it was meant to be. Um, I wouldn't say uh, not every album was a concept album, but every song is meant to be taken in context of that album that it's part of. You know? and, and sequencing was always a big deal to me how you sequence the song so it kind of tells a better story and it flows into it. One song flows into another correctly and certainly don't have that anymore. No. Which artists were you listening to in the 80s? Oh, in the 80s? My favorites were, I love Peter Gabriel. You know, he's one of my all-time favorites. I listen to Gabriel a lot. I listen to David Bowie a lot. You know, every now and then I would always have to go back and get my Beatles fix, you know, because that's what I cut my teeth on yeah. was the Beatles. Uh, I never get tired of that. 
And, you know, a lot of newer music, you know, I like Tears for Fears. I loved a lot. God, it was so, you know, 80s music was so fabulous. You know, it was just like, uh, you know, I tell people it was like, not, I look at the charts now. And I've, first of all, I don't know most of the artists that I'm looking at in the top 100. But but it's all pretty much the same kind of music yeah. as far as, the, you know, the top, the hot 100 or whatever. But and then you break it down, you know, everything is categorized. Like then you got country, uh, adult, contemporary, you know, adult rock, modern rock, this rock, that yeah. gospel. Whatever. And but in the 80s, you get all of that on one chart. Man, 1985, you go look at the top 20 and you may get Whitney Houston, Def Leppard, Tears for Fears. Thompson Twins, Starship, White Snake. Yeah. You know, everything was there. Everybody's welcome to the club and, and and everybody listened to all all the music, all different kinds of music on the radio. That was really cool. It's interesting because I follow the music charts and you're referencing specifically the Billboard charts, but I've noticed in the UK, there's a little bit more diversity in the type of music on the charts. Yeah. I'm not sure, like in the US, it's just a certain type of music, which is the majority of the charts, and then a little bit of the rest. I think you know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, I think the UK and, and 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 probably other countries they've always been more diverse. I think uh, more uh, you know more open you know to hearing you know different kinds of music mm -hmm. on the same station. You know here, I mean, because we get that pounded into us here in the US. There's just so much stimulus and so much information and so much uh, controlling the way that you're supposed to think and look and see and yeah. feel, you know, this is what you got to like this week, yeah. <laughs> next week, maybe something else. But, you know, I think we're more controlled by the media oh, in this country than maybe a lot of other places. It's just so humongous. I think every country has it to a certain degree. Yeah. Russia certainly has. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> maybe China and Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and to some extent, this country, we're getting more, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's kind of frightening, you know, what's happened here in the last about four or five years, just of how much propaganda there is out there and how much people believe propaganda. And, and it's, uh, it's kind of scary. We, we kind of have like a 50-50 country now, yeah. where half the country kind of believes facts and about half the country just kind of makes up their own facts. Yeah. And that's what they believe. And you can't change their mind either. Well, I suppose the thing is that makes a democracy, you know, work as long as everyone's living in harmony. As long as you don't try to destroy the democracy itself. Yeah. I know exactly <laughs> yeah. who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. As long as you still have that as a system, it'll yeah. work, you know. Yeah. And the current artists that you're listening to, the bands that are inspiring you? Oh, gosh, let's see. What am I listening to these days? I'm back into Arcade Fire because they're back out on the road again okay. now. So uh, so I've rekindled my Arcade Fire spark. <laughs> I love them. Tears for Fears is on the road yeah. again. I'm thinking I might go catch them this summer somewhere. And uh, new bands. Oh, gosh. Who comes to mind? I know you said uh, they only have two albums and then disappear. So can, can you remember yeah. any of them? <laughs> well, see, that's just it. Now, well, some of them are sticking around. I still listen to Radiohead a lot. You know, they still have a very devoted following and they've been able to, but, but again, you're never going to find them on the radio these days. You know, it's like this, they have this solid, solid base of fans that are going to buy their records when they come out. Records there. I go again, yeah. calling them records. But yeah, so, you know, I still listen to them. I'm excited to hear. I'm always interested in anything that Muse may come out with. I like Muse a lot. 
just, you know, I'm open. <laughs> All so, kinds of stuff. So more of the alternative indie rock kind of stuff. I think so, yeah, for me, because that's just because it's just fresh, you know. It's something I haven't maybe heard before. Okay. Uh, or heard a, a thousand times that's, before. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly so, what you mean. <laughs> so I like that, yeah. What is your experience of South Africa? Have you been here, toured here? I have never been to South Africa. I've never been to Africa, period. Oh, wow. And that's number one on my list of uh, – you know, places that I want to go. My, my wife and I have talked for years about uh, a trip to Africa, safari. I knew uh, you were you going know, to say that. <laughs> you know, no, no guns. But, uh, but, you know, that would be great. And we were actually had some definite plans in the works right before COVID hit us all. Okay. You know, so, so we got to get back to work on that and definitely plan an Africa trip. Perfect. So when you get here, I'll be there in the show and we'll go for coffee afterwards. How does that sound? Let's do that. You know, let's start off with a concert. Yes. I mean, you know, in South Africa somewhere. And uh, yeah. and then we'll just segue from there, uh, you know, up the East Coast of Africa to uh safari somewhere. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So we'll commune with the gorillas and stuff. <laughs> oh, no, that's in Rwanda, not in South Africa. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's in the middle. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you writing any new music? Is there any new music coming from Sasha? We are not currently writing any new music. I'm I'm in the process of writing a song uh, with a friend of mine. A friend of mine has a movie that he did uh, the screenplay for that there's going to start shooting in just a month or so, I think, in Italy. So he wants me to write a song with him for the movie. It's called Global Harmony. So we're trying to come up with a song that would be kind of in the vein of like Imagine by John Lennon yeah, yeah. or something. That kind of, you know, uh, universally inspirational song, which, <laughs> you know, biting off a lot there, but we'll see what we can do. I know. We, we were speaking in the office earlier, and it's amazing how every sort of culture, religion, or type of group discriminates discriminates against another type of group. So even yeah. with, even within, like, for example, the white Christian men back in the day, Catholics versus Protestants. You know, it's, it's always these differences. And it, you'd think by now, after all these years, that we'd be able to see the similar, similarity and honor it within each other. It's just ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous. And, and you know, I, we, we should be able to do it. I don't know why. I, I certainly don't have an answer for why we don't, because we've certainly had enough lessons over the several thousand years, yeah. you know, to, to kind of figure that out. Like, it doesn't do us any good to kill each other or you know, wars and stuff like war should be totally obsolete right now in this day and age. But unfortunately, it's not. But um, but that's that's the goal, I think, is to make war obsolete to where it's just not a viable option anymore. And it's kind of, you know, we're hopefully there'll be some lessons learned as to what's happening in Ukraine, that maybe war is not the answer. It's unfortunate that certain people with egos think that yeah. they know better, unfortunately. Yeah, it's ego. Mostly male ego, yeah. you know. A long time ago, again, I remember. Uh, I, I really believe that, that that women should just be running the world. That I, I firmly believe that, and I base that when I really saw that. I mentioned, you know, my my daughter uh, a minute ago, and the movie cameras and all that. But I remember her. I think it was her third birthday party, and it was a kind of an even mixture of little boys and little girls, mm -hmm. three year olds. And the little girls had a little tea table set up in the backyard and they had, you know, they had this big clown, you know, that with the weighted bottom, you know, you yeah, knock yeah. over and he's back up. So the girls had the clown seated at their little tea table in a little chair, and they're making tea and they're serving the little clown tea and they're pretending him to drink. And all of a sudden I'm watching this go down and all of a sudden three or four little boys just come running by, grab the clown and just start punching him, <laughs> him down the ground and run away. And I'm like, 
that's why women should be running the world. Right yeah. I got it. Absolutely. But then yeah. they men see their way as being too weak and too vulnerable and won't get the work job done. Yeah. I don't see them that way. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, Mickey, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Your okay. five favorite songs by other artists. First five, they come to your mind. What are the songs and who are the artists? Well, Hey Jude, Beatles. Okay. Probably Give Me Shelter, The Stones, Life on Mars, David Bowie. Okay. I guess I better get a Peter Gabriel in here since he's one of my favorites. Digging in the Dirt, Peter Gabriel. I love that one. And let's see one more. Let's go something like crazy, like maybe uh, Heartbreak Hotel, Elvis. That's I'm really excited about the new Elvis movie. That's yes, out, it's looking right? good. Um, it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Not because it's an Elvis movie so much, it's because it's a Baz Luhrmann movie. And I love Baz Luhrmann. Uh, okay. And it's going to be great to see what he does with with the whole Elvis yeah. thing. You know, It's going to be very interesting. I think it comes out in a month or in June or July. June, 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 I think. Mickey, our podcast has listened to around the world, obviously in South Africa. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say to them? To the audience? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I would like to say thank you, first of all, you know, for giving me the opportunity to still be doing what I'm doing, you know, at this stage of my life. I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. And uh, I'm just so glad that there are people out there who still want to come and see Starship, still want to come and see me sing. And I want to do it for as long as I possibly can. You know, sometimes people say, well, when are you going to retire? I said, when I can't do it anymore. And I can still do it. So no end in sight. But thank you. Thank you to the fans. And I look forward to seeing each and every one of you, I hope, before my time is done here. So each and every one of them without their cell phones in front of their faces. Yeah, let me (laughs) see your face. Let me see (laughs) <laughs> exactly Mickey thank you so much for your time today it's been an honor speaking to you this is Barrett the Celeb Savant signing out alright thank cool. you